that she just wanted us to pray over her. So keep her in prayer. Maddie is her name. Mm -hmm. Oh, Maddie? Parents 
and cause them to be put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Uh, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the city uh, of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Uh, we're going to stop right there. That's what it's time to be. So, uh, he's getting to it. He's going to yeah, I'd like to preface this before you go yeah. into the main dialogue. Okay. Um, because uh, we've been through this nice rollout mm -hmm. of all these things, everything's going well for Jesus, all the things, the attitudes, and all the, the, the instructions set. And now, it starts to escalate. What, what's this? Be scared of the, you know? Don't be afraid. Don't. All of a sudden, we'll hear in the latter part of this. Don't be afraid. Well, step back for a minute. They had the tabernacle in the early days when God was with them. Now God is with them. See, He's with them now. But back when God was with them in the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, by the way, I looked it up, they don't know where it is. Right. They haven't found it. They want to know where the Ark of the Covenant is. And all that's kind of disappeared. But remember, it went to a solid building, the temple. Okay? This is kind of out of context here a little bit, but not so, not so quick. The afraid part is there is no Holy Ghost inside of them. We have the Holy Ghost inside of us believers, and we are protected from the demonic. These people were steeped in the demonic. Right. They, they, it was very, very... It was every day. Yes. Like it's getting here. Yes. Yes, and so they, they were sitting there in this atmosphere where Jesus says, don't be afraid. That's like we, we would say, easy for you to say, but we don't have that fear today. The kingdom of God is not just on us, it's here. It's on us and it's here. It's already but not yet, as they say in all the stuff they write about. It's already, but it's not completed. He hasn't completed. He hasn't become the, the king with the iron rod yet. And that will happen in the future. Anyway, you're good. You're good. Uh, and, and, uh, so we have this tent. Right? Sorry. Right. We have the tent. Right. The tabernacle. The Holy Spirit's inside this tent. And when this tent goes down, Jesus knows they're going to get a mansion. They're going to be staying in a solid temple in heaven. It's going to be a solid building. Right now it's a tent. Same thing as the Old Testament. Right. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, and, and so it says, He's sending them out. You know, these guys have been you know, everything that they've seen Jesus do, so they've had a little resistance, but not like they're going to face it. He tells them, so look, you're going to face this. And he's telling them how bad it's going to get. Brothers going to offer up brothers. Dads are going to offer up their children. Children are going to offer up their parents. I mean, you know, well, look what happened today. Look what's happening in our society today. I mean, we have children that are being asked by a government to cocktail on their parents. That's what happened in demonic communist country. That's what happened. See, they indoctrinate the young. 
some of the things that they did. Anyway, and he tells them, look, you're going to face some stuff. Jesus told them that uh, even though they meant no harm to anyone, they were going to face a whole lot of opposition. Think about that. The gospel does not mean harm to anybody. But it thinks they were going to face a whole lot of opposition. And some of the people would try to eat them alive. Figuratively, by throwing them in jail, uh, he said that for them to be careful. Don't do any harm, but just minister. Do you know how hard it is to, to not do any harm when somebody kind of look on you? You know how hard it is when you've got a whole crowd of people on you? It's hard. And yet, he said, the Spirit will guide you. The Spirit will keep you. And so when you're, the Spirit does, it helps you do that. It helps you do that. And you'll, you'll walk away and you'll be, sometimes you'll be just astounded at the fact that, Lord, thank you for shutting my mouth because I know I can open up and make it work. Uh, and so uh, it says, take no fault means don't be anxious. How many of us are anxious today? Think about what's going on around us. Think about our life. If we are, if we are filled with the Spirit, and if we are actually cultivating that relationship between God and ourselves, what do we have to be anxious for? Other than just the normal doubt that we get, we push aside. We shouldn't be anxious about anything. We shouldn't give any thought to any danger to us. Because the worst thing that can happen to us is we die. And the coin my phrase, if I die, I win. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So that's the worst thing you have. You know, uh, and so anyway, uh, we don't need to be anxious. There's a whole lot of verses in the Bible that tells us not to have suffer from anxiety when you're when you're anxious, you're having anxiety attacks. And he tells them, look, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. I'm, I'm sure it's okay to, to walk into a city and start preaching. And you're going to have a little bit of fear, probably. But don't worry about it. I'm there. The Father is with you. He's going to protect you. You know, so um, there's a lot going on here. A whole lot going on here. It says, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up. Uh, you know, it's that he endure to the end. You know, they're going to scourge you in the synagogue. They're going to deliver you up. They're going to turn you over to the police. They're going to make false accusations about you. Whatever it takes to get your mouth closed and to get you to a place where they think they can force you to renounce your belief. And that's what he's telling them. He's telling them 12, that's, this is it. This is what's going to happen. Not only now, but you will never make it through all the cities of, of, of Israel before the Son of Man will come again. See, he doesn't mention that he would leave. It's subtle, very subtle. And so he's letting them know you can talk all you want to. You won't live long enough to get every city in Israel. You won't. And so. They're going to deliver you up. This, this is a technical word. Uh, in the context used by delivering a prisoner uh, or punishment. Persecution of believers has often been the official policy of government. Government. 
So what was the crime? What were they doing wrong? Nothing. They weren't really doing anything wrong except what were they doing? They were telling the gospel message. That's right. We haven't even done that today. We can freely do that today. That all they wanted to do, Jesus wanted them to do, is now go tell all the stuff we've taught you. And right. you will be delivered up to kings and governors, and you'll have to make an accounting to them right. that realize your accounting is to God, not to them. So God's going to give you an answer. Well, not only that, you're going to put them in a position to share the gospel with the government head. Exactly. Yep. You know, and that's what you're telling them. You know, and especially he expounds on this in John uh, 16 and uh, verses 1 through 4, and also uh, in 2 Timothy 4 and 16, he does he talks about it. Uh, and it says, you know, uh, the religious people, the religious people would not accept them. No, no. But it says the religious people. Now remember, exactly you think it's been right? So the unreligious and religious people totally were against them. Right. Everybody was against them. You know, when it says they were church, you probably mean they're going to put you with with a whip. Those holier than thou people would declare them not of God and whip them publicly. When he said they would scourge them in the synagogue, the Jews would tell them, oh, you're blasphemous. Tie them to a stake, pull them in a whip, and send them on their way and tell them they were not of God, that they were of the death. They couldn't make a win-win deal. They had to do a lose-lose deal. Right. Because it was losing on both sides. Right. If one, if just one, came to believe. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. And you get to 18, it says, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. It's going to tell what is the gospel today? What is the gospel today? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. There's only one way to heaven. We know that. We we're studying Matthew 10, but we know what it said. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. You know, uh, and so God so loved the world that He gave home to God's Son. Uh, and so we know that. Looking at this with that insight, you know, uh, this message that Jesus said to the disciples here is even true today. Uh, if you're bringing the true message of God, the authority will give you a problem even now. They are trying in our country to remove Christianity and evangelicals from the mainstream. They don't want you to speak anything outside the door. They're trying to make this non-credible. Right, right. They're trying to make us radical. They're trying to force us into being uh being uh, racial, big, because we're not inclusive. We're not saying, you know, we, we have we have a book that we go by. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. And just because the government sanctions it does not mean 
that it's right. And it does not mean that people out there saying it doesn't make it so. Not, not to jump ahead, but go ahead. But keep this in perspective. Context is on both sides of whatever you're reading on. Usually there's something before and something after. So guess what's going to be tested in this? You said a repentance. Right. Repentance is exactly right. And who who started out the the message of repentance for the kingdom of heaven is close by the John Baptist. What happens in 11? What happens in 11? It explodes with this story of John the Baptist. What? Telling someone they need to repent. So, so Jesus is warning them about this persecution. And the king right. is going to be bringing it against this guy. Right. And he is the forerunner, but these guys are no different. Right. Jesus is the leader. They did it to me. They're doing it to me. Right. They're going to be doing it to you. And so, you know, they're going to take them before the religious leaders. And then they're probably, uh, where it says, uh, give a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Uh, the Gentiles uh, spoken of this were probably meant the Roman magistrates at that time. Um, those were really the only ones that were in charge of the Roman magistrates and the Sanhedrin you know, uh, in that area. So uh, they were hauling them for them. And look what happened at the end of Matthew. That's exactly what happened. Both. And, you know, and so. Uh, uh, and he tells them, but but when they deliver you up, take those father house, or or what you should say. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit, then, or God will give you words. For it shall be given you that the same hour what you shall speak. I wonder who that's from. Not mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. So it says, don't be able to take no thought. You know, this verse is meant to comfort. To be a comfort for those uh, under life-threatening persecution. It's hard, very hard, to take no fault when everything around you is crumbling. It's very hard. Um, and so it says, you know, he was prompted in the Holy Spirit aid for times of persecution when they're can be no preparation. Think about that. And there could be no preparation. How many times have you been somewhere and somebody made a statement or somebody asked you a question and you're answering that question somebody else comes by and tries to try to interject, try to trip you up, you know, the, 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 asking a question that's all context, all, all subject, trying to keep you from witnessing to this person, and it happens. It happens. Distraction. It's a distraction. And what it is, it's, it's our adversary to watch this. You know? And so where do the words come from on that level when you're concentrating on this level when you haven't had time to prepare for this? And so it comes from, comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's telling you. you know, so we're going to tell you what to think. That's yeah. interesting that it comes from the Holy Spirit because that's really evangelism 101 is the first listen to where your peace rests where if it comes back to you leave but the rest should be uh, now I'm backing up a little bit here um, but be as shrewd as serpents um, but as 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 harmless as doves 
But we, with that, you think of this verse. I did anyway, and might be a little out of context. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. Feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So they are essentially giving the good gospel right. in the face of this evil. Right. That that they don't want to hear. They don't want to. Don't tell me. And they're pushing back on right. it. But the Holy Spirit will guide them through. Um, it's interesting. None of the disciples died during this time. None of them did. None of them did. Um, would it and according to what we've read, none of them got hatred either. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know Luke is a little different with the seventy two that were out. Right. And they were actually rejoicing. Right. And and Robert mentioned that earlier that seventy two went out and and they all came back and could tell a story about it. Here we don't get that story. We don't get uh, what was the results of this. But we know they didn't get killed. Right. But he's warning them. Yeah. He's warning him, the servant is not above the master. Both. A win in the end. Yeah. The servant, that's the win-win deal. Yeah. The servant and the master win. And it says, for it's not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father that speaketh in you in verse 20. So we should be concerned about what we say, uh, or we should not be concerned about what we say, for the Lord, either God wants His Spirit to minister through us. So, I, I, I can think of an example for me, but I can think of another example is with Patricia. Patricia met some girl at the hospital, some lady, and sat out on the bench over there, and, and the lady was troubled, and Patricia said, I didn't know what to tell her, and all of a sudden, there it was. Well, the Holy Spirit guided her to help that lady. And uh, uh, and so, you know, it, he will tell you what to say and how to say it. And, and it's like this, you know, Patricia probably agree. After you get through, you walk away and you get your car and you start to drive off and you have time to decompress it. You say, Lord, where did that come from? I didn't know I had that in me. Well, you, the Holy Spirit in you, that's where it came And so, uh, that's what we're taught here. You know, and, and uh, in 21 and 23, you know, these verses clearly... Uh, it has a significance that goes beyond the disciples' immediate vision. Uh, the persecutions he described uh, seem to belong to the tribulation period uh, that precedes Christ's second coming that are alluded to uh, because even when you read what the disciples went through, it still wasn't that. Even though they died, it still wasn't that. So this is, he's, he's carrying it on to the future. Uh, and so anyway, it says, it says in 21, it says, And the brother shall deliver a brother to death, and the father of the child, and the children rise up against their parents, and calls them to, put, to be put to death. Yeah. You know, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. Christ, having fortified the minds of his disciples by the forgiving uh, Foregoing prophecies of divine influence and assistance uh, proceed to open more largely, largely 
and, and particularly uh, the sorrows, troubles, and afflictions that they must uh, expect uh, would attend a faithful ministration of the gospel. Uh, I didn't write that. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's a great illustration uh, that a brother will deliver up both. He's, he's preparing. He said, look, this is what's going to happen. It's already, we're starting to see that today. Uh, we've seen that, we've seen that during the Reformation in, in Europe. That's what caused people to flee to come here. Brother was offering up both. Not necessarily brother, brother, but church brother, church family. When the Reformation comes through, we were splitting families right down the middle. Because you either had to choose one side or the other. You either believed what you believed or you, you thought this new stuff that they were talking was, was heresy. And so people were being killed. We talked about that a, a little back a while ago. But they were offering up the whole family. You know, uh, fathers were going and getting their daughters. And even though they didn't marry, they had to bring them back from their, from their son-in-law because their son-in-law had, had went from them. Uh, they were confiscating farms. They were burning people at the stake. Uh, they were drowning people, tarring them and oiling them. It, it, it. Uh, and so uh, it was not a was not a very peaceful time. And we're starting to see some of this today. Uh, in other countries, it's tremendously so. Tremendously so. Uh, I, I, I get quick. There's a piece of this that we talked about last time that cannot be forgotten in this process of, of telling the story where they're going to hate you because of me, Jesus says. Uh, because of my name, they will hate you. But but he's not left them without something to give to people. This is a servant evangelism. It cannot be forgotten then and cannot be forgotten today. You have to give something in the evangelistic process for it to really be effective. We're commanded to do it. We're commanded. Go and make disciples. Go and disciple. Take the make out of it because it's not in the Greek. But disciple, what does that mean? That means you you go and you 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 teach, but you share all of these things that he tells you to do in in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, but I tell you, give them a cup of cold water. Give them, as I just read this, one thing this huge difference is in the sermon evangelism is to heal the sick, to heal leprosy, to drive out things. One thing short of what Jesus did, and that was the forgiveness of sins. All these things that Jesus was doing, He's having them do, except forgiveness of sins. And so it's interesting that He is given such authority or power to these guys. And, and they're going to be... They're doing miracles, just like Jesus said. And they're going to be hated. Why? What's going on? What, I mean, if someone came up to me and healed me of something... You know, like leprosy, I would go, oh my goodness. I would have a heart for that person. But but he's telling them, be as, be as shrewd as snakes. 
or serpents and it's harmless to stones. Because he knows it's coming. Yeah. And, and the, the, this guy wrote about the it says that he had professing a faith different from his, such is his blind villain bigotry that breaking through all the ties of parental relation and affection, he delivered them up into the hands of the wicked magic to be put to death. Think about that. Your children are going to, at some point in time, offer up their moms and dads for their beliefs. The children believe that they are right. They're becoming humanist. They're becoming uh, uh, social. And so they, they, they bow at the uh, altar of Marxism. And, and they're going to offer up their parents because oh, you, you, you're antiquated. You know, the beliefs you have are, are, are bigoted and no longer relevant in today's society and today's world. So... You go, you either denounce it. This is going to come from your kids. It's your grandkids. You either denounce it or I'm going to take in. So you don't denounce it. They go to the back. The next thing you know, your door gets kicked in. Here comes the brown shirt and drag you out. The state is the king. The state is the king. The state is the savior. The state is the provider. The state is the authority. Uh, yeah, that's it. All of them. And if you were, if you say anything about that, or against that, then, then, then and that's what's happening here. The Sanhedrin and the Romans, more essentially the Sanhedrin, because this was going to affect them in their pocket. They had already lost their, their their spiritual sense before God. They were already doing terrible things in, in the temple at the time of Jesus. I mean, money changers and, and selling offerings. They would declare your offering not good enough so that you would have to buy there. You know, you would you'd spend your time waiting to make your pilgrimage uh, to Jerusalem for the Passover and you get there and your 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 lamb's not good. Your lamb's not good. Got a blemish. Even though there's no blemish, you're, it's not good. So you have to haul that one back or sell it and get it up. But anyway, but that's where this is at. This is what's going on. It's the application side of what's happening there and what kind of what's going on with that. He said, And you shall be hated by all men for my name's sake. But that but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Uh, they were going to be truly hated. And many of them were even going to be martyred. Uh, but I believe uh, that the scripture is, is prophetically speaking uh, for our days as well. Our days as well. Uh, and we'll have to hold on to uh, every ounce of, uh, uh, of faith we have to endure today. It's getting that way. Uh, you know, in a country just above us, they're arresting pastors, physically removing them from their church and Taking, putting fences, barbed wire, and guards around the fence so they can't get in the church. Um, you know, and that stuff's going to migrate south. You just watch. Um, they've already tried. They've already tried in California and some other places, uh, and they lost. The state lost. Uh, but how long that's going to last, we, we don't know. Um, but you know, 
to endure to the end. You have to endure to the end. And we have, we have everything we need to endure to the end. We're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We have our faith. Uh, we have a God who is with us, physically. Uh, and so we can go through things that we need to uh, in order to honor Him. Uh, and so, it, you know, He, he says, uh, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. Uh, you have to stop for a minute and think about this. And there is something that goes missing here. Uh, the, the demonic can kill the soul in a sense. They can, it, its job, Satan's job, is to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and regardless of how that works, if it's the salvation message, it's as good as killing the soul. It goes too stealthily under the wire in our day and age. Well, what's wrong with doing this and that and the other? I don't need to go to church. That doesn't save me. They cabbage drawn to that little comment. And the point is, if you if you're saved, there's a there's a good remark here. Enduring to the end is the hallmark of the genuinely saved. And I quote I quote uh, Barbieri and Matthew his commentary. That's the hallmark of the genuinely saved. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, endurance. What, what does that mean? You're going to want to go to church, man. You don't want any of this stuff. Right. It's going to take every ounce of the brotherhood and sisterhood right. to get you through. And so uh, in that in that comment where Jesus is saying, be careful of who can kill the body. Right. Because that isn't the bad thing. Right. Be careful that the soul, which is in God's hands, period. There is, but this message of hope and salvation can be stolen away by another thief. The demonic forces, Jesus is there, so He's got control of the demonic for the moment, right. for the disciples. Right. But I, I love this, uh, in, in my titles of things here, it went from persecution to have no fear. Persecution will come, right. and now He's saying have no fear. Right. And what in the world does that mean? What does that mean? Well, they should have known that you should have known Isaiah 6, 46, 13. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. Isaiah 46, 13. That's when he goes into... You don't believe that, huh? Well, watch this. Are not two sparrows... What? You want to read that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It said, Are not two sparrows uh, uh, sold for a penny? Sold for a penny. Or, or a copper coin mm-hmm. worth about one sixteenth of a denarii. Uh, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of the Father's character. Now, the question is is it the Father's will 
predestination. Hello. We, we, yeah. Problems, you know, she was reminded of that. Or is it his knowledge? Right. Is it his will that the sparrow, he controls whether the sparrow lives or dies? Or is it his foreknowledge that it will happen? That, that isn't the real point here. This gets debated sometime. Did God know? Or did he cause it? Well, that isn't, and trust God. <laughs> trust God. The point is, these are two life forms. These are two lives. And the doves we just talked about before, right? We're to be like doves. You know, uh, and then he goes to the hairs on the people. Something that doesn't have life in it per se. I mean part of it does, but part of it's dead. In other words, God knows about your hairs that are insignificant in terms of your life. He knows that about his children as compared to the life of the sparrow. Mm -hmm. There is no, that is worlds apart. So how much more valuable that he knows the hairs on your head as he knows the life of the bird. And the bird, I'm sure, is one of God's favorite things. The sayings is beautiful. And this wind today, it blew down my bird house and the poor nest is in there, no birds in it. So the bird got blown out of the school. But God knows where it is, right? God knows what happened to that little bird. By the way, the mockingbird, as stout as the little thing is, is taking no prisoners. It will not let me near its bush where it's trying to nest. It is fiercely defendant of its bush. But God makes these, this is life, life is precious. And he's talking about life eternal here. Eventually, spiritual side of it. He's trying to get the connection. Right? Worry, don't worry, don't have any fear. God's going to take care of that little sparrow. He's going to take care of you too. Yeah, yeah he, he's telling them, you know, he's telling the disciples, you know, this is what's going to happen. But you shouldn't be afraid. Doesn't matter what happens is because you're going to be vindicated when all is revealed. You're going to find you're going to be set aside. You know, you're going to be revered. Uh, you receive you'll receive your uh, reward in heaven. Uh, and it's just coming to you need to broadcast this message for what people ain't gonna like today. Shout out from the roof. Shout out from the rooftop. They're not gonna like it. And you know, they care for them as their father, and they will suffer and die without you. He's letting them know. You won't suffer and die without him knowing. If he knows how many hairs are on our head. We cannot possibly suffer and die without him knowing. And he used the, the, the illustration of the sparrow. You know, and, and, uh, and so how much more valuable are we who have made in his image than those two birds? You know, when he notices how the two smallest birds fall, and Basil puts it this way, yeah. the eye of God, which notices even the minutest detail, right? I thought that was, yeah, he just knows the very, he made us, he, he delights in 
receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water uh, in the name of a disciple of surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. There's there's a... I went down... Uh, as soon as they said that this is a harsh saying, I did not bring a piece, but rather a sword, I went to the mat on this in terms of finding out what is... Jesus never says anything harsh that that is against his principles and values. He never does. It's always true. You have to search some of these things out. He said, I came not to send peace, but a sword. The sword was a description, and I've got multiple passages here, three, four lines of them. In the Old Testament, for judgment, the sword was the word for judgment. And sometimes taken out of context that far back, it doesn't mean judgment anymore. And sure enough, it means something. It became and emerged as a stock image of end-time eschatological end-time prophecy. The sword. That day of the Lord. Reserved for the day of the Lord when judgment would, would, would come not as judgment right then, but as as an eternal judgment. It was the again stock image of end times, the whole end time theology. And then later Jesus uses it, and in, in the Christian era, the sword became, as we know it, the sword of the word. Right? It became spiritual. It became a spiritual entity. I just wanted to to reset my understanding of that, that this sword he's talking about here is going right back to the verse before it. Um, a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law, against her mother-in-law. So he's talking about dividing the family. The family was considered probably the most sacred thing back then. But there's something beyond it. So it becomes not a physical situation of dividing families. It becomes a spiritual entity. Right? Isn't that, is that how you see it? Yeah, and, and, and uh, Ross put it this way. Because Jesus is God, He demands absolute love and loyalty of all of His followers. His statement here is a claim of divinity. Loving God comes before loving others in the ranking of the great commandment. Uh, in Matthew, you get it 22, 34, 40. But to require love for Jesus above love of family is to suggest that He is on the same level as God. The command here is not that believers not love family, but they must prioritize the will of God. Families will divide over whether Jesus is the Messiah. Those who don't love God uh, or who don't love Jesus more than family are not worthy of Him. Those who do not take up their crosses, dying to themselves and following Him, are not worthy of Him. Losing one's life for the sake of Jesus results in finding true life for eternity. For all who receive 
Jesus, the apostle will in truth be receiving Jesus himself along with the Father. And what's interesting is this word Jesus used for this sword is, I can't even say the word, it's, it's, it's right there. It's, it's kind of a... Yeah. It's, it's Hebrew. I can't read it all. But anyway, it's um, the word he used, again, it's symbolic here a little bit more so, but it it was a short uh, butcher knife. Right. It was not a, like we think of a sword. It was a small butcher knife. That's big enough, right? And it could be used for a defensive uh, weapon, but it was a multi-purpose tool right. that could be used as a butcher knife. Nonetheless, dividing what marrow from bone, That's right. and from in a sense. He wasn't using, oh, I pull out the sword. That's the that's the one of the same pull out it, it, the same knife they used to to, uh, to sacrifice the animal because they had a certain way they had to do it so that it would not cause pain. They wouldn't eat eat from an animal that was pain. They had a certain way that they would dispatch them that was pain. Uh, quick and painful. Uh, and they still practice that today, especially in, in the Middle East. Yeah, if, if it's not the call, part of the culture thing, if it's not done for a way because it, to them it does something to the meat. Uh, probably causes some distress or whatever, but anyway. Uh, any questions, any comments? I think that about wraps us up on 10. Well, we got the, the harvest rewards. <laughs> but I don't know if we can say that for next time. Well, I think that's okay. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a short part. The Lord Himself will reward the kindness. Interestingly enough, this last little part, if you really read that, if I'm not mistaken, I tell you the truth, He will certainly not lose His reward. You read it backwards, sometimes it makes sense. Well, what is He talking about? And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to these little ones, he's talking about the disciples, the little ones, and he's talking about anyone who receives the gospel message. Remember he said, the servant is worth his meat and his strength. It, in Luke it says that if you go there and they set whatever they set before you, food or water, it, you accept it. You eat what they give you to eat, you drink what they give you to drink. Right. They will not lose their reward for hearing the gospel message. Right. Am I right or wrong? Thank you. Right. Right. Maybe another thing. Right. But it, it surprised me. Yeah. The righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward, and the prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And I'm not sure I know exactly what a prophet's reward is. I looked at that and I couldn't. Yeah. It, it, so that would be the end of 10 but 11 begins to say what is this persecution this fear what is all of this stuff they will hate me because of what men yeah. say about me, about me they will hate you because of me is played out in a single man in chapter 11 yeah. chapter 11 and we're going to get into the rejection any questions, any comments?
Yeah. Mm-hmm. 